welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Do you need a, a five-minute warning, a one-minute? How long do you think you want? Yeah, five minutes is good. Excuse me? Five minutes is good. Okay, you want 20 minutes to speak? That's sure. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. We'll have 20 minutes worth of sharing. Go ahead. Hey, I'm Adasa, and I'm a grief for recovering sexaholic. Yeah, and I'm sober uh, since September 7th of 2020. Um, so before I start, I want to thank Dennis for inviting me here. I feel really uh, honored and humbled to be here. And I also really wanted to thank Kelly for switching so last minute with me on my time. Something came up and I wouldn't have been able to speak at two o'clock. So really, thank you for that. Um, I don't know why, but I always get so nervous before speaking. Uh, you know, my nine-year-old saw me on my knees before praying, uh, and she said, Mommy, why why are you so nervous? And I said, well, I'm speaking at a meeting. And she said, well, you always speak at meetings. So why are you nervous today? And that's that was the reminder from God. Now, like, I'm just another bozo on the bus. And um, I'm just here to carry a message that was so freely given to me. And whatever I'm supposed to say, I will say. So um, I chose the topic of being restored to sanity Um and in step two, it says we came to believe that God restored us to sanity. Restored us to sanity, and um, you know, restoring implies that sanity. I had sanity before, so I was like trying to think about a time in my life where I had sanity, and I was having trouble, you know, finding that time because I was in active addiction for so many years, and um, what I I came up with was that. Um, you know, the childhood innocence that I had as a child was the only time that I had any sort of sanity. Um, so for me, um, sanity is showing up with open-mindedness open and humility, showing up and simply being willing to ask the questions. That that's for me is already setting aside my ego to show up and, um, you know, trying to be um, anything but the person I used to be. Um, being restored to sanity for me is sitting down, working through my steps, picking apart my character defects, my resentments, my fears. It really helps me understand my wrongs and it helps me admit them out loud. My sanity returns when I allow the program to speak through the people in the program, when I go to meetings, when I listen to the message that are at the meetings, and when I set aside my willpower um, my ego, and I let the message be be given to me through the group, through the steps, through my sponsor, through my sponsees. Um, and at its core, the restoration that speaks is a part of me that really craves that connection and safety. Restoration to sanity is learning to let go of the rationalizations that my insanity tries to convince me of. You know, for so, so long, I had you know, anything but sanity. I, I lived a life of complete and total uh, insanity. I, I 
didn't care about anybody or anyone. I would hurt and abuse everybody around me. I, I hurt people in my in my marriage, my family. I hurt other people's marriages and families. And I never cared about the consequences of my actions. I was so blind and oblivious to the pain I was causing. It's not a normal thing for somebody to constantly and continuously inflict pain on, on oneself. And it, it is only logical to say that somebody has to be in a complete and total state of mind of insanity for them to continuously act in such a harmful way. In my disease, um, I hurt my own children just to get my own fix of my addiction. And a person who is sane, who has wholeness of mind, doesn't do something like that. It has to be that I was completely and totally powerless over my myself and my disease if I was doing those things. My insanity hijacks my mind, my body, my spirit. And, um, you know, so many times I would tell myself, I'm not going to act out. I'm not going to do that thing. And yet my feet were walking towards the thing that I told myself I wouldn't do. And that's insanity for me. Complete and total loss of control. I'm in a state of utter, utter powerlessness and the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind has taken over. So my insanity will lie about a lie to me about many different things in active addiction. And one of the fundamental lies that my addiction told me is that connection and intimacy are things that I don't want. In essence, it was really just my fear of speaking. And in order to restore those things into my life, I needed to take small and restorative actions to to fix that. It, it's not a quick fix. There is no magic pill. It's a slow process. And um, I have to be patient with myself. One of the most important things in recovery was that I needed to remember believing that I, I don't I, I don't need to know the end of the story, right? Like sobriety is messy. It's far from a straight line. And I don't know if all of my problems are going to be solved or fixed or if they're going to magically disappear. Um, you know, my husband and I are struggling with so much financial instability, something that we didn't necessarily struggle with when I was in active addiction. And I have no idea if that's going to be restored, but I need to know that showing up and going to sleep sober every day is the only guarantee for me in life. I have, since I got into program, I haven't been able to restore full intimacy into my marriage yet. And that's something I also have to give up control about. I have to remember that it's not about um, it's not about knowing whether or not my life is going to be restored to the intimacy that I want. It's about showing up, doing the next right action, and letting go of the results. I need to let go of all the insanities, the movies that I play in my head constantly. I need to be able to walk down the street and see a man or a woman smile at me and not think to myself, oh. They want to act out with me because that's literally still the thought that goes through my mind anytime anyone is nice to me. Being restored to sanity is not about me. It's about God's will for me. It's letting go of all control, of letting go of micromanaging my life, which is so, so difficult for me because I am a control freak and I need to micromanage everything. It's turning over the, the wheel of the car to God and saying, I surrender to whatever you'll have me be. It's not easy and it's a daily reprieve for me. And on the days that it is difficult, I will get on my knees 
or as many times as I need to remind myself that I am not in control. I can remember there was a time not so long ago that my husband told me that he was going on on a, a trip with some of his friends. And I, I was going through a particularly difficult time and I was very, very nervous to be alone in my house and, and I didn't trust myself. And I remember I got on my knees every 10 minutes for an hour and a half straight. And he was on the way to the airport and he called me at the end of the hour and I can't make this story up. He said to me, um, Hadass, I don't know what happened, but all the flights have been canceled and there are no flights going out today. So I'm canceling my trip and he came home. So God does for me what I can't do for myself. I just have to believe that God will show up if I'm willing to give over my life to him. A very vital lesson that I learned in my recovery journey is that in order to go up, I must have, I, I had to have gone down. I could not be here today without being where I was yesterday. Learning that was a fundamental way of letting go of my shame because I'm just as addicted to shame as I am to my lust. See, my insanity will tell me, Hadassah, you're a piece of shit. Look how many lives you have destroyed. Why even bother into the voice of reason? Which was, which reminds me that I wasn't the person I used to be. Having guilt and feeling shame are two different things. Shame perpetuates the insanity, but guilt does not. Regret acknowledges that I made a mistake, but my shame says I am the mistake. That was very, very, very important for me to recognize the difference because I can hold myself accountable to my actions. And I also don't have to hate myself and beat myself up every single day for the actions that I took. If I try to figure it out alone, I will probably miss the whole show. I have to lean on my fellows to escape my stinking thinking. When in doubt, ask is my motto. I can't trust my brain because it's so clouded by distortion. I need to go and listen to the messages from the meetings and from my sponsor. It was actually through sponsorship that a lot of my insanity was exposed. When I was trying to show up for another, it became very clear to me how stuck in the dirt I really was. I learned so much about my character defects and how they manifest. Learning as a sponsor that I couldn't make or keep anyone sober was so brutal. I uncovered the insanity of codependency that raged inside of me. And that is still something that I struggled deeply with. I was a very, very, very sick person. And it was evident to me that I was using sponsorship as another way to play God. I had become a, high, a higher power for someone else. And that high was everything. It was literally like putting the heroin needle into my arm. Those early lessons nearly killed me, let alone coming so close to losing my sobriety multiple times. And it is only through reaching out to people and learning from my mistakes that I was able to become the sponsor that I am today. The insanity of believing that I was the one who got me sober took months to fully acknowledge how full of shit I really was. I needed to sit down, shut up, and listen. And only then did the change start to happen. Another facade of my insanity was convincing myself that I could stay sober if I were married to somebody else. 
It was so easy for me to blame my husband for all of my problems. Well, if you dressed like him, if you looked like him, if you worked out like him, if you spoke like him, if you did everything like him, then I wouldn't have a problem with essay. <laughs> Those are all the lies that my identity told me. See, before my husband, I never stayed faithful through any single relationship that I ever had. So he never was the problem. It was always me. I was the problem, but it's so much easier to put blame on everybody else. None of my motives for acting out were ever the issue. It was always Hadassah. I was the simple problem. I was terrified of life and all the feelings and emotions that came with it. Lust was just the symptom of the problem called me. Believing that someone or something had the power to fill that giant hole inside of me was completely and totally insane. I needed to understand that that hole was empty because I didn't have a connection to God or spirituality. Praying, meditating, and being of service daily are important ways to fill that emptiness. I don't think there has a day, been a day that has gone by since I got sober that I haven't woken up and hit my knees the first, like within the first five minutes of waking up. I pray every single day. I meditate every single day. I speak to, I speak to sponsees every single day. I do step work every single day. I go to a meeting every single day. Those are the only ways I can stay sober. I needed to stop acting out and abusing others in order to reclaim my, my sanity or peace of mind. I needed to stop lying, manipulating, or gaslighting my partner. I needed to embrace that anything is lust until proven otherwise. I have to assume that my mind is still stuck in the gutter half the time and that staying connected is the only way to stay sane. Insanity convinced me that marriage was based on sex. And if there was no sex, there was no marriage. It took me a very, very long time, and it still creeps in very often to fully understand that sex is indeed optional and that I'm experiencing a partnership with my spouse that never existed until we both were willing to commit to abstinence. That was just my story. I couldn't stay sober when I was still lusting after my spouse and still having unsober sex. I needed to give up all of those things in order to focus on me and to let lust out of my life. My insanity convinced me that religion and how I wanted to practice it were the only ways that I could practice and stay sober. That my spouse's opinion and desires around it didn't matter because if we did it his way, I would relapse and essentially die. Learning the word balance. Oh my gosh, balance? What's balance for an addict? I didn't even know that that word existed, you know, and giving to my spouse and instead of always being on the receiving end of things was a very healing and sane journey for me. And it continues to be It's not always about me. It's not always about my meetings, my therapy, my mental health, my sponsees, his program, his people, his meetings his sponsor, his sponsee, his mental health, his wants, his needs are equally as important as mine. 
And it took me a very, very long time to realize that his disease will lead to the same consequences as mine if he is not working a program. And so I need to be able to support and respect it when he is working his program and stay on his side and my side of the street. Yelling, screaming, throwing, slamming, threatening, silent treatment are all ways that my insane brain convinced me that my voice will be heard, my needs will be met, and I will be seen. Today in sobriety, with some sanity, I understand that it's attraction rather than promotion. Take the action and the rest will follow. If I want my needs to be met, if I want my voice to be heard, if I want to be seen, I need to show up with kindness, loving, compassion, forgiveness, acceptance of my partner. I don't need to show up selfishly. I need to show up for my partner by giving to my partner. And in return, my partner will give and do for me. And it is through me working my program and me staying on my side of the street that my husband was actually inspired to work a program. It wasn't because I asked him to go work a program. He went to work a program because he saw the changes that were happening in me and he wanted what I had. My sponsor always reminds me that in recovery, I'm barely as old as my sobriety date. So if I'm two years plus in in recovery, I'm just a toddler. I'm a child. And as a child, I will likely have days where I will have tantrums, which is okay. I can be kind to myself on those days. I can try to reparent myself. You know, I can try to be the parent that I never had. I need to learn to have patience and tolerate myself and be kind with no judgment and criticism. We are imperfect humans, and I have to learn to embrace those imperfections. I need to bring them to God and say to Him, These are the imperfections you've given to me. So help me be relieved of the imperfections you handed me. Show me a way to be relieved of the bondage of self. Showing up and working the steps, being of service, having a connection to God, and being a sponsor are all ways in which I restore my sanity one day at a time. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks for sharing. That was great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Hadassah. Thanks for sharing, so Hadassah. Thanks for sharing, Hadassah. Okay. Thank you for sharing. We avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions, sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovering, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. Please keep your shares in the I and the me, not the you and the we. If you'd like to ask a question, you can raise your hand in the reactions panel. Um, we are recording. If you don't want your voice recorded, you can put the question in the chat and I will see it and I will get the question asked. Um, let's see. Okay, the floor is open. So take about two minutes. So uh, we have half hour or so. So the floor is open and Joel, you're going first. Uh, Joel, grateful recovering lust addict. Uh, Hadassah, that was great. Uh, one of the best things in my recovery, there's obviously in this fellowship, there are not enough women in here, but I learned so much 
when a woman speaks because it's even though your story is similar, there are differences because you're female. And I really revel in that because I learned so much from from my sisters in this program. And, you know, just like I learned from you, you know, looking at the relationship with your husband from your side, as opposed to looking at my relationship with my wife from my side, it's it's a bit of a difference, but it's very close. And I can understand exactly what you were talking about. It makes so much sense. And I really enjoyed what you had to say. Thank you so much for your share. Thank you. Karen Duell. Thanks, Joel. Uh, Cecilia, and then Bill. Hi, Hadassah. Thank you so much for this powerful share for me. Um, every time we chat, I'm learning new things about myself and recovery through your patience with me and understanding of the problem and solution. I'm just so grateful for you as my sponsor. And uh, I want to say one of the first things I noticed is that you're not trying to fix me to sobriety. You just share the message in your ESH. Um, being a codependent myself, I'm grateful for this example of a healthy relationship I, I do need in my recovery. And thanks again for your share. Pass. Share is a sharing. Hey, thank you, Dennis. Hadassah, thank you so much. Um, you know, I'm I'm just sitting here and just so happy to be here today because you never know when God is going to talk to me. And I heard God through your share today. So thank you for that. Uh, like a previous member, I'm so happy to have uh, some female essay sisters in this room. Um, for me, when I just listen and I put down the gender and I just hear the story, the problem and the solution, I, I so relate, um, if you will. And I was talking with a fellow the other day, you're either in recovery language or you're in addiction language. And when I hear the addiction language, I don't relate to those people anymore. It's just not where I'm at. Thank God for today. Um, but when I hear the recovery language, I'm like, dude or dudette, I so relate to that. So I so relate to you. Um, I just want to share a quick story about with my wife, who's not an SNN. When I first joined the program and I got my one-year coin, I showed her my one-year coin. And she's like, what the fuck is that? And I, and I never showed her a coin again. Um, then I picked up a book called The Five Love Languages, like 120 pages. Oh, I'm lang language one. She's love language three. Read it. She looks at that. And she tossed on a counter. And she goes, I'm not reading that crap. And then finally, I said, what about Essanon? And she goes, I'm not the one with the problem. And from that day on, I've just been working on my side of the street. Now, bring it fast forward. A couple of days ago, I was making some notes. So it goes, oh, you're getting ready for the conference on, on Sunday? I said, no, no, I've been asked to speak on Friday at my group. And she goes, what for? And I said, I just got past nine years. And the woman later on in the day brought me home a chocolate chip cookie. So I have to be aware of when my wife is supporting me. But not get too high when she's not and not too low when she, you know, and not too high when she is, and not too low when she isn't. So thanks for the reminder that for me, the best work I can do for my relationship with my spouse is to work on me. Anyway, thank you for letting me share. What a beautiful uh, qualification today. I'm so privileged to be here. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bill. Thanks, Bill. Joe R. Thank you, Dennis. And thanks for your service, Hadassah. What could I say? Your nine-year-old is right. You shouldn't be <laughs> nervous because not. This is the probably the third or fourth time I've heard you speak. Two conventions we met. I met your husband. Um, 
Yes. And that is an example that I like to follow. We have a little bit, probably the same amount of sobriety, but somehow you just seem a little, well, you probably are a lot smarter than me. I won't say a little. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, so I like to listen and, and hear that message that it's incredible. I heard your story last few months ago, brought me to my knees and here you are. I, I used to always see you in the meetings. It looked like you were up on a pulpit. Almost, you were sitting up somewhere. It seemed like looking down like a judge. And I'm like, "Wow, who is this woman?" Then I heard you speak, and we became we became friendly. Um, we're going to do some work together, hopefully. And uh, just wanted to let you know that your message is very clear, and I I inhale all of it when you speak, and I really appreciate. It. So thanks for the share. Thank you, Joe. Sure, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Don, and then Natalie. You're up, Don. Hi, my name is Don. I'm a sexaholic still. Adasa, that was incredible. Um, you talked about shame. One of the things that I used to have shame about was I used to think that when we came into these meetings in Seaford and Plainview and, and uh, that it was just a bunch of dirty old men wearing raincoats uh, and, and the shame was that there was something wrong with us for being men. Um, I thought this was a disease that, you know, that, uh, that was exclusive to us. And listen, I'm very sorry that you have this disease as well. And my friends, the women in this group, but there is something comforting to know that it's not just me. It's not just because I am a man. Um, but still there are, uh, and I experienced from time to time, Venus and Mars, uh, uh, episodes. And yesterday was one. Uh, my wife, uh, unfortunately, her mother uh, fell again, again, and is now in a rehab unit. And uh, my wife is basically alone uh, again, dealing with this. Um, and she was really stressed out. Anyway, uh, she called me uh, from the car and I was working, talking uh, to one of my clients. And I kind of shut her down. And she was upset. And instead of fleeing and avoiding her uh, i knew she was going to uh to a particular store so i drove over there and she was so happy to see me um and you know i showed up and that's about all any of us can do um so uh, uh your your talk was again really brilliant another example how women really sometimes have a smarter uh perspective on life than men um and thanks for letting me share thanks for sharing thanks Don. okay natalie and then mike t thank you dennis thank you hadassah for your share i uh, would like to ask you a question about codependency and uh sponsorship i have been struggling <laughs> with that myself like really hard um so just want to like paint a little picture here i um I used to be a teacher and I had to stop working a year ago. And when I stopped working, I didn't know what to do with myself because I was, I wasn't nobody. I was not a teacher anymore. I had no students to take care of. So I said to myself, but I'm still a sponsor. Yay. And they are like my little babies and I have to protect them, blah, 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 blah. And both of my sponsors dumped me like two months ago, dumped me. That's not a beautiful word, but they both <laughs> said, I don't want to work with you anymore. And I felt really empty after that, having no sponsees. I was not a teacher. I was not a sponsor. Who am I? I was really, really empty. It was raw and everything. 
Now I know why they stopped working with me. Oh my gosh, I must have been annoying. But I don't know how to do this now. I agreed with my sponsor to not have sponsees now for a little while, just to see who am I without being like a mother of students, of sponsees, of whatever. And now I'm doing a lot of uh, translation service. Every time I feel a little bit like, mm, I do translate uh, the real connection into Dutch. And that helps. But I'm really scared to sponsor again because I'm so scared to do this stupid mommy shit again. And I don't want to do that, but I don't know how to do it in a different way. So do you have some ESH, please? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your question. I can only speak from my own experience. First of all, I I still struggle with it. Let's let's be very honest here. Like I still struggle with codependency. It's not something that just comes as a cure. Um, I think the most important thing that I learned from my sponsor is that I need to carry the message, not the sexolic. And that was really important for me in sponsorship. So I can bring them the message. I can share my experience, strength, and hope. I never, I really try very much not to tell them what to do, just share what works for me and hope that in what sharing what works for me, they'll hear something that resonates and that they'll be able to use that in their recovery but it's never about controlling them. It's never about telling them. It's always about sharing ESH. And I I really do call my sponsor a lot when I have questions with my sponsees. And when I do feel like there's a relationship that's codependent, I do what's necessary to, to back away and to create stronger boundaries. But again, it's a struggle and I'm not perfect at it at all. I work at it every single day. Thanks for having me share. Thanks. Uh, Mike T, and then Randy. You're up, Mike. Hi, thanks, guys. Mike, sexaholic. Um, what you were talking about, what really resonated with me, you're, you're using, you know, the word me and how you were the key to your recovery. You know, your own, you almost sounded like you were hold, holding yourself up, you know, and that really resonated with me because that's one of God bless my sponsor's heart right now. Cause it's, I know I I'm the big holdup right now with my recovery, you know, I'm sure I can, you know, and, and wanting to pass the blame on everybody else. Well, he did this, they did that. Well, if they weren't so blah, blah, blah. And he keeps on going, Mike, 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 trying to like get some, you know, try, trying to knock some irony into me, you know? And um, anyways, I, I've been hearing that a lot lately, the last week or two. So thank you for uh, your story. Thank you for doing this. And thank you for uh, your reminder to me of what I need to do to for recovery. So, and so with that, I'll pass and thank you again. Thanks, Mike. Uh, Randy, you're up. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Randy Griffith, recovering sexaholic. Um, Hadassah, I've never heard you speak, but uh, I'm very impressed, very inspired. Um, I had some computer issues. I got kicked off, and, and fortunately, I, I was able to get back on, and, and I heard you speak to the fact that you never asked your husband to um, have his own program, but he was inspired by what he saw in you. And I just wanted to reflect on my own experience. Um, you know, I am the sexaholic and, and, you know, a little over four years ago, um, I came into this program and, um, 
you know, I certainly never asked my wife to find her own program. Um, but living with me for the number of years she did and growing up with an alcoholic father, um, she initially um, made her way to Essanon and then gravitated away from that and has been a, um, a devoutee of Al-Anon and, and works that program um, very, very hard um, and really lives that way. And what, what, I, um, what I really resonated with was that um, I have been inspired by the, the codent codependency aspect of her program. And I know that she works hard trying to deal with me, um, but I have really been inspired by her to um, really look at the emotional sobriety aspects of my own recovery. Um, and I, I just kind of like a number of people have said here, it's it's really great to hear the female perspective on things, um, to be able to relate the the kind of back and forth and and how we we see things differently but um I, i'm just happy to hear that um you know in your in your personal experience you know your husband was so inspired by you and i feel the same way about my wife it's a little different but um i i, I really appreciate you sharing that i'll pass with that thanks thanks for sharing uh lisa r i think you want to share um, yeah, thanks, uh, everybody for all your service. Um, I was on the phone, uh, listening in and didn't know how to use the, the features. Um, I really appreciate, uh, waking up for the time change and coming home to my family. And, um, I, uh, just wanted to, uh, comment on um, the whole men versus women thing. Um, I knew about this program a long, long time ago, back in 2000. And I thought it was just a program for men and felt even more broken. Um, and uh, it was really refreshing to... Um, hear that I'm not <clears throat> different in relation to gender um, and that I don't have to be broken to give somebody else a purpose. I'm broken to have a purpose. And um, I really appreciated your share and um, just kind of wanted to uh, check in and um, ask uh, how you um, managed to uh, navigate through telling the truth and not hold your secrets because you're only as sick as them. Thanks. Hi, Nasa, sexolic. Thank you so much for your question. Um, I think for me, it was really um, recognizing that I was powerless. And because I was completely and totally powerless, that person who did all those things isn't the person I am today. And essentially letting go of the shame. It's a process. It takes a lot of time. I still sometimes go back to that shame and hold on to it. 
But when I completely um, remind myself that I, I was powerless over the disease and the actions that I took, again, like having accountability versus holding on to the shame. So having guilt, but not and not believing that I'm this, the mistake, I made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake is very, very, very important for me to remind myself. Um, it's by going to meetings, listening to old timers, uh, speaking to my sponsor, hearing the miracles work through them and seeing that they are not the people that they used to be. That's really the gift of this program is, is watching people make complete and utter changes as a result of working their steps and, and recognizing that they're not the people that they once were. It's, it's a miracle and it's a tremendous gift that we get as a result of working this program. Thanks. Thanks, Asa. Thanks. Jeff M., you're up. Hey, Hadassah. So um, I feel incredibly blessed to know you and to be in this program with you. You're one of those people that... You know, I, I come on any meeting or I walk into a room and I really feel home. Uh, and I really, really, really am always inspired by your, um, by your dedication to the program, how you make it your life, how this is everything to you. And you don't take any shit in the program. I mean, it's like you bring it every day. Um, you know, for me... What what really resonates to me is the fact that I actually can be restored to sanity, that I actually was once not insane when I wasn't in this. Well, I've always been, a, been an addict. And um, really, for me, is giving myself the room to actually take the steps to heal. And, and what, I, what I really resonated with was, you know, I, I know your husband well, and I love him. And I'm sure if people met my wife, they would love her too. But yet when I'm sitting there blaming her for all these things and why she's triggering me and, you know, oh my God. And like, I'm looking at her side of the street. It's, it's a complete shit show. It's just a nightmare. And um, it does nothing for my recovery. And so what I, when I heard you saying, you know, that you have tantrums and you have to parent your, your inner child, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Like when you're in that, A, you know, recognizing that you're in that tantrum and what are the things that you do to kind of break that, um, that, that, that state of mind. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. So for me, it's really recognizing a lot of the time that I'm reacting rather than responding. It's recognizing that sometimes I'm impulsively respond, reacting from a place of trauma. And that, you know, what's really going on is actually me time traveling to a time that isn't existing in this moment. And so really taking a pause and, and you know, like, let's say we're having an argument, stopping and saying, you know, I want to respond, but if I respond right now, it's going to come from a place of anger. So I need to take a pause and walk away and regroup and really like get present with what I am, where I am, get grounded in today versus going back to the time travel of yesterday. Because I very, very often react from a place of trauma. So for me, it's, it's, it's being kind to myself. It's being compassionate and loving, recognizing that um, my reaction or my reactivity is not always uh, something that I'm in control of, but I, I can't control how I respond and react if I pause. If I pause and walk away from the situation, 
it's not always easy. It takes a lot of work. I do a lot, a lot of therapy. That's something that I, you know, it's an outside issue, but I, I definitely feel like I wouldn't be here today without the therapy that I do. I do journaling. I do inventories every single day. I do a 10 step every single day. And when I do react in those moments, I make an amends as soon as possible. Um, and then I have my sponsor to, you know, call me out on my shit. <laughs> so I think that's my answer. Thanks. Uh, just a quick follow-up with that. You know, when you take that pause, so I know that you're doing your 10 step, you're journaling, that's not in the moment. Like, you know, when you're having that tantrum, you're like, okay, I'm going to journal now, or maybe you do. I, I want to know, like, is it just hitting your knees? Because I know that's that's a big yeah. thing with you when you make that pause. Definitely, definitely always hitting my knees. And the thing is, is that I do have an app on my phone to write inventory. So yeah, I will write an inventory in that moment. Even if it's oh, wow. a very, very quick inventory, I will write an inventory just to get myself in check and remind myself that I'm responding from a place of irrationality. It's it's a very good way to refocus and ground myself that my insanity is kicking in. I'll make a phone call. I make phone calls all the time. I'll, I'll reach out to a sponsor and check in on them. Getting out of self is very, very important. Calling my sponsor. You know, these are just tools that I will do in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Uh, Esther, you're up, but then Rob. Hi. Um, I'm so, so, so grateful for your share. I just wanted to share that and that I'm so grateful for you. It's, you know, they talk about in, in program that I, you know, I got drunk, we get sober and I definitely, definitely, definitely couldn't have done it without you and many other people this year. And I just, every time I hear you talk, every time we talk, I get the sense of like, I've shared it with you, but it's like renewed focus. Like when I hear like even you sharing to other people, like what you do every day, you getting on your knees, you doing your program. It's like sometimes, you know, we do it for ourselves, for our program, but it's amazing how you doing your program instills like the sense of like motivation and hope for other people as well. And it's like, I would not have been able to, I, I know personally for myself, I would not have been able to get through recovery without all, everyone else in program without you. And so keep charging. Thanks. Thanks for sharing. Okay, Rob and then uh, Justin. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for your service. Hadassah, thank you so much. Uh, your share, uh, your qualification was inspiring. Um, great example of the way the program works, the uh, um, you using the tools and uh, the results. So great experience, strength, and hope. We, I have not heard you speak before, and uh, it was just wonderful. Uh, and it's always wonderful to hear um, my sister's perspective um because i hear so much of my brother's perspective and um so really amazing uh i think uh well as addicts we all share so much of the same qualities good and bad uh not good and bad sorry healthy and sick uh and and um I, uh, one of my issues, one of my big issues is, uh, I have an intimacy disorder. Um, I'm an, I have an intimacy anorexia. Um, that was one of the reasons, uh, in my intimacy anorexia, I would act out, uh, in fantasy or pornography or masturbation. And then, 
you know, in expectations or prior to that, I would have expectations and, you know, have resentments. And it was just this vicious cycle. So when I hear your mention of how in program you have been able to approach what sounded like intimacy to me and healthy sex, um, I'm very interested in understanding how you do that, what that might look like, um, if you care to comment on it. So thanks. Thank you. I just shut off my camera for a second because somebody's walking in the room. So I, I just want to clarify in case there was a misunderstanding. So mm -hmm. in terms of sexuality, my husband and I have not yet mastered that. We still mm -hmm. are struggling with that area of our life. But in terms of intimacy, I can say um, my husband and I definitely go out on date nights. We are able to have intimate conversations that we were not able to have. We are able to spend time together. We are able to play games. We are able to spend together as a family. You know, um, today we're going out all together to celebrate my 30th birthday, where in previous times I would have wanted to be alone. And, and those are gifts of this program that maybe I'm not having the sexual relationship that I maybe fantasized about, but I'm having an intimate connection with a person. And that to me is a lot, lot, lot greater. Thank you. Awesome. That's amazing. I appreciate it. Just to follow up, um, I have um, fear sometimes, often, of throwing my arms and hug around my wife and hugging them, uh, uh, hugging her. Sorry, hugging them. <laughs> uh, has that been a struggle for you as well? Yes, absolutely. It's been a huge, huge struggle for me. I am somebody in recovery who has a very, very hard time being touched. It's something that I actively am working on in therapy. It's something I, I do fears inventories on. It's really about recognizing what's really at the core. What is it that I'm so afraid of? Understanding that fear, journaling about it, sharing about it, letting go of the shame about it. It's something that I definitely, definitely struggle with and I continue to work on on a daily basis. Amazing Thanks, and candid. Thank you so much. Okay, we have time for one more share. Kelly, you're up. Uh, was Justin before me? Justin. Is, oh, there's Justin. Go ahead, Justin. Sorry about that. Uh, that's all right. Uh, I'll be quick. Um, so maybe Kelly can jump in there too. Uh, thank you, Hadassah. I haven't met you before, but I really appreciate your shares. Um, I'm really connected with a lot of that. Uh, just real quick, I you mentioned your your husband is working a program, so I just wanted to get a from you if you've what has changed in your relationship, if you don't mind sharing, um, since he has started working a program? Just be interested to hear that. Thanks. <laughs> How much time do you have? <laughs> everything, everything has changed. Oh my gosh. From communication, from intimacy, from every every single aspect of our relationship has changed. Our parenting, our our, our coupleship individually, you know we are completely different people. And I think the most important thing was the fact that we spent a lot of time working on our individual selves. And then we came together to work together as a team. And we're, we're working much more now together as a team versus focusing on our individual programs. But everything changed once we both were in program, actively working the program. He's a different person and I'm a different person. And it, it works when you work it. That's really what it is. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Vanessa. Okay, Kelly, bring it home. Thanks, Dennis. Um, 
Thank you so much, Hadassah, for your share. Um, I don't think we know each other very well, um, but when I listen to you speak, I think we do probably know each other really well. Um, I am always deeply inspired by women in the program who can so vulnerably share their story. That's the only reason that I have gotten to where I am is because um, because of the all of the people, for sure, and certainly the women that have come before me. It sounds like we share a very similar, very close um, sobriety date. And um, I, um, I'm just so inspired by you, deeply inspired by you. And I, I, it's important for me to share that with another woman because it's all, it's, it's hard for me sometimes to, uh, to have um, intimacy with other women. That's very hard. And so even for me to share that openly and look you in the eye and tell you that you are inspiring to me and I don't have to compete with you. I'm not competing with you. We're here together sharing um uh sharing our recovery is i'm i'm deeply appreciative of that so thank you thank you kelly and thank you again for the switching of the time i could have literally said your entire share everything you said i identified with and i've sh- heard you share before and i'm also truly inspired by your recovery and i think our husbands are really good friends too so uh, <laughs> i appreciate that so thanks for letting me share i'm really glad that i was able to be here today so, yeah. Okay. I want to thank Hadassah. Thank you so much, Hadassah. Um, the chat is open. If any of the women would like to exchange numbers privately, they can do that. Um, okay. It's time for our seventh tradition. I am going to share the flyer. So we have a couple ways to, uh, to donate here. Seiko can use the money and Zoom. I know there's no fee for it, but if you can Go to sa.org slash donate, or you can Venmo the money to me. My anonymity has been broken, but I don't care. Um, okay, in conclusion, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participants. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve. Thank you.